0: worship with you in another service. we here some time back, thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. It's good to be here today. I'm not too accustomed to such introductions, and uh, I do appreciate the kind remarks, but uh, we can only say that we all live by the grace of God. Amen. And we are excited about the work of God in this day, and we're happy that we can share a little bit of what we have felt in the spirit with you. We do not come today knowing, we come today searching. We do not have the answers to every situation. I want to pause and say that we do appreciate this school, its leadership, and the fine student body that I'm looking at. Amen. And uh, ask God today just to open our hearts together and speak to us through his word, I couldn't help but think of the weeks you've got coming, the ministry, the excitement the stir, and the challenge that is on the student body here to do things for God. I honestly cannot say uh, what all we're going to do today or how far we're going to go with this service. I have had in the recent weeks such mixed emotions with myself, and I've asked God to help me to see myself. For what I really am, and not to try to decipher from someone else, but rather recognize the real value of going to God for our answers and receiving directly from the Spirit the things that we all must have. We've heard so much that is repetitious through the years, relating to the fact that we live in the end time, that these are the closing days of dispensational truth, and yet. It's hard for all of us to comprehend the day and the hour and the very fact that we are victims of circumstance, since none of us asked to be born. None of us asked to be 20, 21, 22 years of age or whatever. We're just here as a product of life and nature and the progression of the great generations of men, and we stand in our own day victims of circumstance to take and carve out of this world that which God would have us to be and become and become what His purpose says that we are to become. Praise God. Mm -hmm. Everything is relative to the Spirit. and When we find this out, recognize it. Then by the help of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God can direct us into the hour that is set before us. Whether it will be as exciting, as victorious, And thrilling as we have so designed in our minds, history will tell us in the days to come if that is the truth. If it is going to be a little harder, more obstacles and problems, it will also reveal that. We look through a glass darkly into tomorrow's dome, cannot see the horizon yet, or the sun has not even began its state of rising from behind Mother Earth. But we're going there, every one of us. Mm And destiny will tell what happened to all of us. I thought this morning in meditation, prayer, or the service, I thought, God, I don't want to sound the note of, of negativism and uh, sound like that I'm a little bit on the dark side of uh, pessimist. but uh, I have met up with young men and women who went to Bible schools who never really made it. Somewhere along the way of life, they lost out with God, become embittered. And everything that they worked toward and tried to achieve was an ultimate ruin and an ultimate fame. Praise God. I stand with the realization that I'm dealing with young men and women that perhaps are some of the greatest at Pentecost who have had equal chance to become some of the very best that God would have in the last days. Yet I also realize in the spirit that I'm standing in the midst of some who have never found direction. And to this day, do not know where they're going, and do not know what tomorrow is going to bring. Several weeks ago, if you'll allow me to talk like this for a few minutes, uh, several weeks ago, in prayer, I I became burdened for the school here. And not because of its uh, structural uh, makeup, the fine principle you have, the teachers, but for the student body itself. That the Spirit of Almighty God would allow us as individuals To find ourselves and not be the product of someone else's emotions
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and not be the result of someone else's direction Mm -hmm. when we have to hold our little midnight get-togethers and encourage one another in the spirit or get into the dorm and try to find out from the other guy just what should I be doing. And uh, have you heard from God? Can you give me a little sermon thought that would thrill me? And I I thought, God, somehow this day there is going to be a group of young men and women rise up that will be able to go to the altar of God and come up from that altar with spiritual direction for themselves and for them that God would ultimately allow them to minister to and will be able to fit the pattern of Joel and become an apostolic church of supernatural measure. There's a lot in store, folks. How quick it's going to all transpire. I don't know. But I'm still looking for the day. I don't know when it's coming. When the heavens will be shaken. Mm -hmm. When the signs of heaven will be rained out. Before the presence of men. For in that same day. Of the wrath of God. There is going to be also. A supernatural visitation of the spirit.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Are we prepared for some things. That last day revival. Does not talk about. And that is opposition. And obstacles and hardships. That most of us have been sheltered from. Amen. How much do we have to fight. The resistance. Of that lonely moment. Of temptation and thought. And come to a place where. Our directions are set. And people on the job. Whoever it might be. Are not going to affect us spiritually. Our purpose are set. Our motives are true and sure and clean. And we're looking for the will of God in our life. Hallelujah. And everyone said praise the Lord. And everyone said praise the
1: Lord be so kind because
0: I don't know if I'll be able to see that watching. Have your Bibles this morning. We'd like to turn your attention to the Word of God. Several passages of Scripture, a sermon that the Lord laid on our heart several weeks back, in fact, in the middle of the first part of August, we preached this sermon to our church and since then to other places. And uh, I, I didn't want to bring this type of message today. And the more I prayed and the more I meditated, the more this seemed to be the thing that God impressed upon us. Corinthians, or rather Galatians, beginning with Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3. Galatians 6, verse 3. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For if he soweth to his flesh, shall of, his, of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and reading there in verse 5. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Let me reread that scripture. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Christ is in you, Except ye be reprobate. Going back to the writings of Galatians again. Verse 3. If a man think himself to be something. When he is nothing. He deceiveth
2: himself.
0: The Lord bless you this morning. You may be seated. I'd like to use today for a subject simply, prove thine own work. Prove thine own work. I was made aware some time ago that the subconscious mind plays perhaps one of the greatest parts of our lives. When I say this, I say it in relation to myself, for we become. What we ultimately think. That we are. If you are. Constantly belittling yourself. The psychology of this. Is that after a while. You will allow yourself. To let up and become. What your ideal of life. Is set at. And some of these. uh, Thoughts are wonderful. It's good to think on things. To improve. To set objectives out front. That would make you. The better person. The greater instrument in the hand of God. And then it's easy for us. To imagine that we're something. That we are really not. And after a while we began that. Beautiful life of living in the imaginary. And we suppose. And we imagine things. That are not even relative to our person. Or to our character. Some things that are rather humorous. I I'm convinced in my own self, as a pastor, having dealt with people of various uh, character and ideas and concepts, that it's easy for us to become blind to reality. I have met up with such simplicity as, in one humorous sense, I've had to deal with people who not knowingly were offensive because they were not clean. And uh, it's rather it's rather difficult to approach somebody with a little tact and say, uh, "I need to talk to you, brother, about your offensive body odor," and uh, you actually have an odor that's repulsive, and you you don't want to tell them that five or six seven people come to you and uh, have complained that the whole room is tainted by such a repulsive smell. And on one occasion, I talked to an individual. And I I watched them carefully to see reactions. And the thing that startled me is that they were caught totally by surprise. For in their mind's eye, they knew that they smelled good. They knew there was no offense. There was no bad odor. And they could not to save themselves recognize the offensive smell of a body odor. I walked away from that person with a realization how easy it is for us to think we're something when we are not. On another occasion, and many times I've done this, people have been embarrassed by, after a while, not being able to resist the question. Uh, Brother McLean, what is that on your chin? And uh, after a while, they, 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 they blurt out this embarrassing statement. You, you've got a little speck of grease on your chin. You've got uh, ink on your chin. And I said, no, it's not grease, it's not ink, it's a piece of pencil lead. It was placed there at about a five-year-old age. And uh, it's, it's there and it's deep. And the doctor says it's best not to try to remove it. But you know, the funny thing is, I cannot honestly recall when the last time was that I
2: saw that piece of pencil lead.
0: I shaved this morning, I combed my hair, I tied it up for church, but I didn't see it. Long time ago, I despised that piece of pencil lead so much. It made me so ugly that uh, I just decided I'm not going to see it anymore. I refused to see it. And after a while, it disappeared. And I I don't see it. I can recognize my ugliness, but not in light of that spot on my chin. Isn't it amazing? Now, you're laughing this morning, but some of you combed your hair. And you didn't see your ugly face. (laughs) And just because some young lady said that Jim or Joe looks nice and the words got back that she's been just a little bit excited by your looks doesn't mean that you're what you think you are. Yes, sir. And uh, I, I oftentimes get amazed at how many people come to our house And get upset when we get on subjects like being a little bit obese and overweight. And then they go back and use our scales and weigh. And every time it's the same story. Your scales are not right. Your scales are not right. And they get up and they look at someone else. And I'm glad I'm not as big as that fellow. But when they weigh, they weigh exactly the same. But he's fat. But I'm just trim and nice. We cannot see ourselves. First of all, we do not want to see ourselves. Pentecostalism is a beautiful thing. But we are as traditional as a church can become. We are just as ingrown in our ideas as we can get. So much that we believe is not what we believe as an individual. But we are in one sense moving zombies motivated by someone else. I'm glad that we are motivated. I'm glad that someone can influence our life. But I'm not come today to talk. To young people who are still in the Sunday school classes of their local church. But we're dealing with an elite class of young men and young women. Who have said, we want to be used of God. And we want God to do something for us. The time comes when the gains of the past are pushed aside. Convictions are implanted in our hearts. And convictions that it's not what Brother Holley believes. And it's not what Brother McLean believes or what the other ministers that will come in the course of this year will preach across this podium. But it's rather that I can honestly, truly say that every time I check my spiritual bearings, I can pull out of myself. This is myself. I thoroughly believe it. I am altogether convinced of certain things. And When I look at life in this life, I feel that we have a mad rush toward a direction and a goal that we've got to accomplish. It's time that we settle down to the bare realities and face some facts and do something about it. Praise God. You see, when Paul spoke to the Galatians, he said, If a man fake himself to be something, when he's nothing, then he deceives only himself. How many times? Do we as a collective body get excited? But how many times as an individual have you got excited? As a student body, we can pray a prayer of faith. But as an individual, when was the last time that you knew beyond a doubt that you moved God? No one else had to help you move God. You moved him because you prayed. I'm saying today, the day has come that we prove our own works. Our own works. Our own words One of the most fascinating things And I am not quite old enough to be there yet But it won't be too long That I will be able to say this And I'm amazed that children Relate to their parents In one sense of the word Mature enough to be in Bible school Old enough to have their own cars, Yet Their relationship with home Is all times still the same Now dad You're to help me out when I need help and I don't want to stand on my own two feet. And the little saying that what mom and dad has is mine. And if I need something, I can go to mother and dad. And they're going to help me out of all the tight spots. But the time comes. If you're old enough to drive cars and buy cars. You're old enough to prove to yourself that you can balance your own bank book. And you don't have to call your mom or your dad. And say they're going to help me out of a tight place. Prove yourself. From a natural sense. Prove yourself as an individual. What you really are. Establish some direction. And then go from there. Some time ago. And some of the folk here would be able to relate with this. I was talking with a pastor friend. Who hired a carpenter. Who had reputation as a good carpenter. And in the course of several weeks. Of working and hammering out. A building. uh, The pastor was surprised. That this man of reputation. This man of ability and learning had actually built his church out of square. And uh, when they began to come inside with their acoustical ceilings and various things, any way they would try to put it in there, it wouldn't fit because the building was not square. The one thing the carpenter, even though he knew how to saw the compound miters and how to lay out a building according to framework plans, the one thing that he failed to do, That was so vitally important. Was to go back with the measuring tape. And remeasure his work. And see if he was. What he thought he was. It's got to be a certain size. It's got to be a certain height. And it's got to be in certain plumb angles. But he failed to prove himself. And as long as that building stands. It doesn't matter how long it stands. There will be a carpenter's name. That will be constantly mentioned. And every time you mention his name, you'll say, he's the fellow that built our church out of square. You see, the church that we pastor, the brick mason, made a very drastic mistake. It's not of times so easily recognized, but on one side of our building, and some of you students that have been there, perhaps you've noticed it, maybe you haven't, on one side, he laid out a window three feet out of proportion. On the right side of our podium and pulpit, the window is three foot off. No one usually sees it. But every time the church people walk by that window, it's been some 12 years now, 13 years since the building was erected. But there's a mason somewhere we'd like to talk to. We'd like for him to get his plumb lines out and get his measuring tape out and prove a few things to us. It disgusts us to see a window. That is not supposed to be there. But there it is. And on we go. One of our brethren in the church. Fine man. He is a CPA accountant. And the one thing that he does. With most of his time. Is not going back over figures. In a sense of trying to calculate the balance. But the the thing he does. Most of his time. In his accounting work. Is going back over. And proving what he already knows. Has to be right. It is a resubstantiating. It is a renewal of realities. It's returning to what we know is an absolute. Listen, church, young people, young men. We say that we do some things, and the reason that we're not challenged is because we have not been put in circumstances that challenge us. We are excited when we go to camp meeting because camp meeting brings no challenge to anyone we're challenged when we go to our local churches and the power of the spirit falls and the Holy Ghost moves but there is really no challenge there but the challenge comes when we have to be alone and there in the presence of God on the job wherever it may carry us we have to substantiate our own spiritual direction hallelujah hallelujah Nobody knows but you and God. What you have thought in the course of the last six weeks. As you work beside sinner men, fellas. To us. To the student body. To your fine principle. You look as if you are one spiritual tower. But to God. He sees you for what you really are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The standards of the church are largely the impact of a few people's belief. They are not necessarily what the majority believe. I told a group of people last night in a Bible study at the church. How long will we as Pentecostals have to go back to the pulpit and reiterate again and again certain standards of wholeness? How long do we have to say no to this particular problem? Or to that particular problem. But when will it come that the Spirit of Almighty God will rise up in our heart with a direction and we will prove ourselves to God? We get an answer from the Holy Ghost and it speaks loudly and clearly. I, I don't mind telling you. I was a little bit amazed the other day. The minister friend was talking to us, the light, a little humorous light, and he was speaking of an occasion some time ago. A time ago, he had a chance to go to Dr. Howell's church in Hammond, Indiana. and sit through a seminar there. And he said, but McLean, the thing that fascinated me is that that man, having not accepted the fullness of the message that you and I know, has some requirements that are even more stringent than we Pentecostals. There is not one man on his staff of 16 followers and co-workers that can even have his hair touching his ears. Not one of his ladies can have a dress that comes above her knees. He preaches firmly. It has to be down. What is he getting at? Prove, prove, prove what you are. Prove what you are. You say, but I'm going to go today. I'll get a fresh haircut. I'll come out and say, now, I'm just like you. I'll go out. I'll let the hymns out of my dress. I'll clean my face. I'll take off excessive jewelry. And I'll say, I'm just like you. But I haven't come today day to preach a revival of wholeness. I've come to preach a revival of searching. Yes. You have not accomplished in the eye of God. But very little if you cut your hair. Because the pulpit says cut it. It is a matter of obedience. That's but when it comes from in here. God, that's it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If the pulpit motivates you to prayer. You pray as long as the preacher drives you. And presses you. And forces you. But when his back is turned. You're like the child who's looking to see if mom's looking. Looking to see if dad's got his eye on us. But the Bible tells us that the seven eyes of the Lord. Run through and fro upon the face of the earth. We are no more than what we have been proven to be. Hallelujah. 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 Just a few days ago, if you'll allow me to say this in a personal sense, I began to look at myself in the light of kind remarks, expressions made by various ministers, them that really think they know Wayne McLean, those that think that they have seen me in action. And I I, I saw myself caught up within a church world where it's wholeness and godliness and purity. And honesty and integrity. Very seldom. Do I have to take very much smoke in my face. Very seldom am I associated. With anything. That is anything less. Than exactly what I believe. And how can I prove myself. In light of the fact. That I have built myself a surrounding. And I never go out there. Into the light. And into the heat. And into the wind. And find out what I am. We're inside these four walls today. And I pray the Holy Ghost would build us up. Set us afire. Let the spirit run up and down our inner depths of the soul. And say it's there. It's real. It's powerful. But then when the sun beams down on us. On the job this afternoon. When nobody sees us. In the quake of that dormitory. When nobody knows what you're thinking and what you're doing. Men, yeah. and then alone, are you proving yourself? When it cost its turn toward prayer and toward fasting, we're realizing the one thing that's going to bring the apostolic ministry back is an old-fashioned purging of the Holy Ghost. But I've come to tell you today that the Lord said, if you want to pray, you've got to pray in secret. Yeah. If you want to fast, you've got to fast in secret. Hallelujah. They that pray in secret shall be rewarded openly. They that fast in secret shall be rewarded openly. Hallelujah. I cannot quite comprehend the fact that when God does something for me, before I can get my shirt tail can touch my back, I've got to go tell somebody something. God did thus himself so. in our service last night. Someone said, we've got to give God all the glory. Are we trying to give God the glory? Are we trying to say that we're able to touch God? And the more I ponder these deep things, this is a little bit out of step for the normal kind of sermon today. But what I'm wanting to drive into our hearts is, oh God, when you get through hammering us, what is going to be left? See, I'm looking at a student body that perhaps has never really made A deep study of where we're at. We talk about Armageddon, we talk about the last days. But do you realize that we were a hair's breadth away two years ago from total governmental collapse? When Penn Central went bankrupt, all there had to be was a panic, and we would have been in a worse state than we were in 1932 and three. The reason that tight money came to America was not that all the banks suddenly said you can't have it. But what happened is that the federal banking board realized one thing. All across the country, banks were overextended, and they realized if people get scared and try to draw their deposits out, we will not be able to match their deposits. We will have to close our doors. The government tried to pacify, and they succeeded in convincing the public that everything's all right. Nobody made a rush. Nobody got upset. We just went along with the tides. We were an inch away from total catastrophe. We live on the pretense of security because our stomachs are full, because we've got good suits on our back. We fight because the dormitory isn't nice enough. We complain because we don't have a good enough car to carry the choice girl out on a date sometime. I'm here to tell you there is some priority in Texas Bible
1: college.
0: It's not putting and it's not finding a wife. It's coming here and say, Almighty God, I don't know myself yet. I don't know myself yet. No. But if you will help me, I'm going to prove myself. One of the most stirring testimonies I ever heard I was talking to Brother Cornwall some time ago. Very fine man of God. Hasn't been in the church for a short few years. Trained over in Louisiana. Some of you perhaps know him. He said, Brother McLean. the reason that I am a Pentecostal was not because I had a Pentecostal background, but because God sent one Pentecostal boy Who did not read the Bible when they said read it, but he read it because he loved it. Who did not fast when Brother Holly said it's fast day, but he fasted because he saw it's need. Who didn't pray because it was time to pray, children, but he prayed because he loved God. He said, God put me, a boy that knew nothing about Pentecost, in that Louisiana Tech College, studying to be a chemical engineer. He put us together in the same room. And for one solid year, he didn't really press me. We talked about it lightly. But I watched him get on his knees and weep and talk to God. I watched him fast. I watched him pray. I watched him witness the only boy that I knew of in the college Pentecostal. Nobody's going to see you when you're out doing things that the church says you're not supposed to do. Nobody's going to know that you're a little bit less and what you're supposed to be. And he said, "One year, almost to the day, I fell on my knees and received that experience he had. Somebody proved themselves
2: to a stranger." <laughs>
0: I hope that I'm not misunderstood when I say some of these things. You ministerial students, I speak from my own experience. I don't have too much trouble praying to the honey when I know I've got to preach. Because I've got enough understanding to know that I'll never be able to preach without God's help. But what tore me up some number of years ago is why is it? When I know I don't have to preach and I'm not going to have to sing a special, I can let up for a few days. Then I'm looking at the real way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm seeing myself for what I am, for what I really am. Amen. You see, the sad thing about it is, you all look equal today. Good, clean haircuts beautiful Pentecostal fashions. But nobody knows behind that coat and behind that beautiful dress what's living there. If you're in this school to make good grades and pass, you still miss the objectives. You still miss the I was startled some time ago when I reread again the Azusa Street Revival. When a Baptist man would become burdened in his heart for a revival of the Spirit, he was not praying for this beautiful outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He was praying for a general overall move of God. And I read that burden that intensified and intensified and intensified. He and a friend got to the place that it was so heavy. They prayed all night long, all night long, time and time again, under a terrific burden, fastings often, that God would do something for Los Angeles. If I'm not careful, my selfish concern will be apostolic people. Can I preach like this? If you're not concerned, young man, your concern will be when we go on our evangelistic tour, we'll come back with the greatest sermon ever been preached and the greatest number with the Holy Ghost. When you think you've proved yourself, when somewhere down the way you will collapse in your own folly because God anointed you one time you felt you had a lease on God. If I could use this as a typology today Let's call this a glass A vessel All God looks for Is a medium to work through We believe in the incarnate God We believe that Jesus Christ Was a manifestation of God Amen But we do not believe That his humanity Was deity Come on church We believe his humanity Was according to Paul's teaching A veil, a housing A covering, a dwelling place For the divine invisible God to dwell That's why Jesus said Of myself The vessel, the humanity I can do nothing All the vessel, all the humanity Was going to ever do Was shed its blood and redeem men The humanity never healed a body The humanity never opened an eye. The humanity never raised the first person from the dead. All the humanity could do would give itself at the cross. Let it die. That's all. A vessel. And what he calls for is vessels unto honor. I don't know if you've ever went into the dishwasher or perhaps in your own house, in your own apartment and, uh, there's no reflection on the, the wife, the cook, whoever it might be. But you get a glass that's dirty. There is a lump of something.
1: <laughs>
0: and you can't figure out what the something is. And you become nauseated and you push it aside. You don't want to use it. Go ahead and drink out of it. It's all right. As isolated and ridiculous as it sounds, what's wrong with a hair and a glass of water? If the hair was just washed before it fell in the water. But how many of you young ladies today would go ahead. And pull that little hair out. And lay it aside and drink the water. See how ridiculous and repulsive. God says what I'm looking for is vessels. Vessels. And being a human being. You're going to get dirty tomorrow. And dirty today. And dirty the next day. There's going to be a scrubbing process in your life every day. Prove thine own self. Hey, did you know what I done last week? I preached the sermon in Scripture. Hold first. He of the word. I do it the Holy Ghost. In the first place, you didn't preach it and give you results. The Holy Ghost was using you. Hallelujah. That's right. That's, right. That's it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's a realization of the supernatural. Coming to a realization that God only uses that which he can use. That's why that Pentecostalism and the church world has had a constant changing complexion throughout the history. Go to the battlefronts. Look back in the past Pentecost. And show me in the annals of history. How many young men? How many young men? How many pastors? How many evangelists? How many pastors' wives who fell by the wayside because they proved themselves too late? When you search, search history, you'll find just about as many in the, the, the ruins of yesterday's past as you will find in the retirements of security and success in Pentecost because they couldn't handle the situation. Abraham had no problem because he was dead. He was dead enough when God said, bring your only son to me. He carried his only son Mm -hmm. and said, if that's what you want to find out, I'll show you. I'm asking you, young man, Are you going to love God if you lose your job next week? Are you going to love God if you wreck your car on the way to work today? Are you going to love God if you don't find a place to preach for the next six months? Are you going to love God if everything collapses in your face? How many Jeremiah's are here that could stand going down into that pit and that dungeon, into the mire, be beaten when he knew he wasn't wrong? How many Josephs are here that can spend two years in a dungeon because... He was guilty of no fault. How many of us can take the fire? Prove yourself.
2: Now, come to a quick close in just a moment. That's why I stand unworthy this morning. Because I know
0: that I'm not quite what some of you think I am.
2: I've been called a lot better person than I really am
0: prayed a lot less prayers than some people thought I prayed.
2: My spirit has not been nearly as good as perhaps the Holy Ghost. Prove thyself.
0: In an academic society, some of you go through this school riding somebody else's coattails. I didn't say he was cheating, but I'm saying Someone else, your friend, has had to help you with your lessons.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when you walk across the stage and get your diploma, you'll have to hand it to your brother and say, thank you for helping me all the way. Mm-hmm. You didn't prove a thing,
2: you still got to go prove it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Fellas, why can't the Holy Ghost tell you? How you're supposed to live. The young ladies, how you're supposed to
0: act. Mm-hmm. we Pentecostals come back to proving grounds
1: mm-hmm.
0: I do not say this is from the Holy Ghost I only say perhaps it was for Wayne McLean. I believe as much in a great revival outpouring in the near future as anybody believes in but I also believe that parallel with revival outpouring there will be almost unbearable opposition. To the point of death To the point of disease To the point of lies Dividing asunder You have not been lied on yet But young man If you have a ministry It will be lied on in this generation You're going to have to be big enough That you don't even have to defend yourself you march on because you know what you are And you don't have to be defended
1: You're
0: going to have to live for God If nobody lives for God Prove thyself. When's the last time you went over your prayer list? Put down everything you asked of God for, and then marked off how many answers you got. If I understand anything about numerical values, if the teacher gives you a test and there's only ten questions and you miss all ten, it looks to me like you didn't. Pass me. Through. How spiritual am I if I can't write down, God, if it be your will, I need thus and so. He said, let your petitions be made known unto God. And then you can check it off three weeks later and say, he answered your prayer. Mm-hmm. Then you know that God hears you. Some of you do not actually know if God heard you yet. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the only time you know he ever heard you was when he forgave you your sins. I had a brother stand in the parking lot last night at 11 o'clock. He said, well, McLean, something happened to me this week. I said, what was it? He said, I had a bad congestion. I was at the point that I just knew something was going to have to be done. And I went into my room and I said, God, I don't know whenever I've done this, but I want you to prove yourself to me. Heal my body. He said, you know what happened? He healed me. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. The Bible said. Jesus said. My sheep know my voice. And a stranger they will not follow. The Bible said you can boast in yourself when you prove in your own works, But you only live in your own shame. When there's nothing to prove. Am I spiritual because. And let me reiterate again. Am I spiritual because. That my hair has been cut. And my, my, my dresses are godly. My hairstyle is in accordance with the church and the school. And my spiritual. But the Bible said, you reap what you sow.
2: Yes.
0: Your fastness is it. going to multiply into worthiness.
2: of It's <laughs> oh. <laughs> Let's shout today. You'll
0: shout next week or the week next, and I wish we could come and shout it today.
2: But I feel like that our hearts are bleeding. Prove me, God.
0: The devil knows there's potential in this building, and he will rob every potential there is if he hasn't robbed my chance. And he'll pull at your fibers. And draw you away.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, lose your, and you lose yourself. Proof.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: An old song that simply says. Have thine own way. Lord. Have thine own way. Musicians would go to the piano and organ. Play this course in closing. Make me what I ought to be. Hold me. Make me. I don't know here of late. There's been a real stirring of scriptural, scriptural evidence in my mind and heart that is evidenced by one constant repetition of fact. That is in the early church, most of the great outpourings of the Holy Ghost was never accomplished by one person, but they were always accomplished by two. Mm-hmm. The great man Paul and his ministry always had someone to assist and to help him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Throughout the scripture, there seems to be a pattern of two. If I understand anything of the blowing winds of the Spirit, God will homogenize personality. And you'll never be able to say that Wayne McLean helped you. But you'll be able to say the Holy Ghost
2: We'll
0: not be worried and concerned about ourselves. We'll be concerned about the overall work of God. Would you pray today? If you knew nobody was gonna know about it, would you practice for four hours a song to bless a heart if you knew nobody would know you put the practice in? Will you study till your eyes swell that Bible? If you know but nobody's gonna ever know I studied it. What is your motive? What is your plans? What are you driving when we at? Hell, Thine own way, Lord.
2: Hell, Thine own
0: way. Thou I say this in closing. But you have the courage. Not in this place today. If I can do anything. I want to discourage, discourage. A climatic response to the sermon. I don't want a response here. If I can be that way. For I have not accomplished anything. More than routine. To have a climax to the service. In ministerial homiletics. You've already discovered. It's got to be climatic. Come to a climax. We've reached climaxes in our Pentecostal services and went home thinking God had done a lot and the first heart hadn't been changed. I pray that the Spirit will come back on this student body tonight at 10 o'clock when there's only two girls in the room of three and you'll want to get down beside your bed and weep for 30 minutes or an hour and nobody know it but the two or three of you. You fellows get in beside the bedroom. Nobody else knows you're in there. And if you have a prayer meeting, don't tell the first one of them. Just let that one group know it. And pull your heart out because you want to know God. If I understand the way I've been running, I had not been sounding just right in the spirit. And if you'll just take your pencil out and write down a few things that I am, and let me look at it, and I'll try to improve on it. This is what I've tried to preach today. Proving thine own works are you what you think you are we love you a great potential of revival stands before me if we're willing to face ourselves and become what he wants us to become
1: it's
2: not an easy matter but i see the wisdom of the holy spirit
1: In the request
2: of the ministry. There are some things I'd like to just pour out and wash out with tears. But maybe the Holy Ghost and I say maybe. I'm convinced the Holy Ghost does not want me to wash them out. He wants to burn them in. Can we in obedience walk out of this chapel and let the Lord talk to us this day? Stamp these words indelibly upon our hearts. Make them a part of our being. We've heard from God. Let's honor Him. Let's walk with Him. You're dismissed in the name of Jesus Christ.